everyone. My name is divorce attorney Christopher Bruce with the Bruce Law Firm, and today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Lane Crawl. She's a certified divorce coach um, in the Jupiter, Florida area, but seeing clients um, remotely uh, throughout the country. And today our topic, I think, is a great one. It's what's now, how to get excited about life after the divorce. Um, so, Lane, thanks for taking the time out of your practice in life to be here today. And I guess before we really dive into it, maybe just give um, people a little background about um, you and how you came to do this, and we'll get into the uh, the questions. Well, good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, my background's in human resources, actually on the corporate side. So I worked in the world headquarters in Dallas for many years, managing their HR department and doing their employee coaching and counseling and training and development. Really found that a lot of people are bringing things from their home life to the workplace. It's affecting their performance, obviously. So I did that for many years, absolutely loved it. Um, my master's in human resources as well. And then when I went through my own divorce several years later, I realized there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to help other women specifically go through this process and really have a less bumpy road, have a smoother road to go through and help warn them and prepare and protect them. So my why really is, after going through my certification and becoming a certified divorce coach, my why and purpose is to help serve them with giving them a lifeline for all those people who are traveling mm -hmm. behind me and help raise them up so that they're in a better place for their life. So uh, that's when we met in, in uh, person recently, um, you know, your, your passion for all that really uh, came through and it's just, um, you know, I, I think for the both of us, um, getting people to that next step in their life and getting them excited and, and uh, about everything that they have ahead. It's just, it's, it's, it's a really fun way to um, work. Um, yeah. And um, I guess before we get into how to move on from a divorce lane, if you don't mind, um, just maybe explaining um, from your um, professional experience, any other um, experience, just um, how being in a long-term or maybe even in a short-term um, toxic or tough relationship can affect a person. Absolutely. Being in any kind of toxic or unhealthy relationship really takes a toll on your body, mentally, emotionally, and also physically on your well-being. There's so many clients that I've seen that have the emotional and verbal abuse that often comes with, if not physical, comes with some sort of toxic relationship. And you may not see the bruises, but those are long lasting scars for them as well. I have so many clients that have really emerged as a different person. And so when they look back to who they used to be and who they are and who they've become accustomed to being in this new role with their spouse, who perhaps is a dominant personality and a more powerful um, person. And then, the, and then these, the woman, although she's strong, has to take that peacekeeping role and she unfortunately relegates herself to it being a doormat. And what happens unfortunately is that it becomes a power play between the dominant personality and the one keeping the peace. And not only does that take a toll on your self-confidence, your self-worth, that obviously goes in the toilet, but that has physical manifestations too on the soma, on the body. So we talk a lot with, about the somatic divorce process and how mm -hmm. the vagus nerve that runs from your brain down to your gut has immediate implications on your digestive health. It's, it's no coincidence that many of my clients do complain of ailments that are digestive and are currently going to doctors and trying to figure out what's wrong with them, quote. And really it's a lot of stress and anxiety and problems that are stemming from that toxic relationship. So it is critical 
for whether it be a female or a male, whoever is living in that toxic environment to take an assessment of that and surround yourself with a tribe of people who can lift you up and out of that situation because it's taking a toll on you mentally, emotionally, and physically. And it, it, it certainly does. And I think we were, we were talking about it offline. I mean, some of the, the clients, um, you know, I, I think we both met with, they, they have these undefinable sometimes um, conditions um, and fibromyalgia, things like that. And it, it's just, it's, to, to me, I, I truly believe it comes from the, the stress and reactions uh, their body has to um, basically living in a perpetual state of of crisis. And, um, you know, it's, it's, they say, what's, what should he do? And, you know, I might say, well, get a divorce. Um, but really, truly, um, uh, get separating yourself from these toxic people can, um, you know, really, uh, improve your, your health. It doesn't mean you have to get divorced to do it. It's just the effect it has on your body it can't be ignored here. And, you know, I, I, at least a lot of my clients, for, for them, um, when they're at the point of where they're thinking about leaving, um, you know, a hard relationship, especially one that they've been in um, sometimes for, for several decades, it's just overwhelming to them. Um, and I, I know we're going to get into, you know, some, some really good ad advice um, here, but for those people that feel like that, they're thinking, I'm, I'm not happy in my relationship. I, I know it's, it's not right for me. I do want to move on, but where do I start with all of this? What's, what do you think is the, if they're going to do anything, the first thing that people who feel this way should, should be doing? That's a great question. I get asked that quite a lot. And actually, I think there's four specific things you can do as a key to successful recovery. The first thing really is your mindset. You got to get in your headspace. You've got to figure out what's driving your emotions, your feelings, perhaps give voice to those with journaling, figure out that because you've got to keep those in the back seat. You can't have your emotions and feelings driving your decision-making or driving your behavioral choices. So that is first and foremost, how to get in your mindset, how to develop the right plan to make sure that you're using sound judgment and decision-making. That is important and very just critical to be able to move the next step. Along with that, I'd say my number two is deservability. That goes hand in hand. And deservability is really the idea that you create your future in your life based on what you believe you deserve. So people either have a high power of deservability or a low. Low obviously means that perhaps you're thinking that this is happening to me. You're in victim mode, um, that I cannot impact my life. This is my lot in life. Um, you're giving up your power. These are self-sabotaging, limiting beliefs and that won't get you where you want to be versus high power of deservability and recognizing that in your life means you have that internal locus of control that you can make a difference, that you can change and turn things around. And you acknowledge that and realize that for your deservability. And that's how you plan and work your plan to get to your goals. And then the third one is self-awareness. I work with my clients who develop their self-awareness of their unique talents, their skills, their abilities, what are their dreams, what are their goals, they're their sovereign self now versus part of a partnership anymore. So we really work together to talk about what are your individual goals, things that you've wanted to do for quite a while. How do we get you there? And self-awareness has to be partnered with number four, which is action. You got to get up and move. You have to make something happen. It's easier said than done. I understand I've been there. 
Um, but getting up and moving and working your action plan uh, makes all the difference in the world, obviously, of getting there. Because if you don't have your actions aligned with your goals, well, then even as sailors know, if you're just one degree off, right, with your navigation, you're going to end up in a totally different place. So those four things together are the keys to successful recovery and moving on. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I mean, you're um, using the words goals and, and what you were just saying. And, um, you know, in, in my practice, if somebody hasn't worked with somebody um, like you yet, we tell them, hey, look, you know, you need to get a vision for what you want your life to be like. If, you know, you don't know where, where you're going, I mean, how are, how are we going to uh, get you there? And I, I stole that quote from probably a few famous people. But I mean, just in in your opinion, in working with your, your clients, how, how important is it for them um, to develop a vision of what they want their life to be or, or their goals um, early on in, in the process? Absolutely. Visualization is something you can do from the very first point of contemplating divorce. Visualization is critical. We really spend a lot of time with that in my practice on seeing where are you now and where do you want to be then and what is the, what's the path to get you there? Um, we take a, a lot of assessment, kind of a deep dive into your current feelings, your emotions, where you are, um, your skills, your, your assessment on, your, again, your self-awareness inventory, and how does that match and align with your goals on that? So visualization, positive thinking, mindfulness, gratitude, prayer, journaling, meditation, all those kinds of things really go hand in hand to help build and practice a high degree of deservability in your life and visualization is, is the way to get there. Absolutely. So Lane, when it comes to um, my clients, at least, as they are doing this vision planning um, for the next stage of their life, it's, it's something that we actually work with them on in our law practice, uh, usually about a month into their case after the initial hoopla filing for divorce is over and most of their documents have been gathered, at least in Florida, there's a little bit of a almost like a lull. And, and instead of just telling our clients, we'll talk to you next month or when a problem happens, we try to work with them on, you know, planning out what do they want their, their life to be like. And some of them, maybe they've been working with a coach for a while or really have answers to those questions already. But for some of them, it's kind of overwhelming. They just want to spend a day feeling like they're not walking on eggshells or to where they right. can just breathe. Um, and they tell us, you know, how do you want me to, to develop a vision? And, you know, our lawyers are, are trying to tell them, hey, look, like, maybe just find something, one thing that you can start doing, stop doing and, and keep doing. And that'll at least help you change three things um, and maybe help you crystallize what you really want that next stage of your, your life to be. Um, but, you know, that's, that's real big picture, but there's also the nuts and bolts part of the divorce. Somebody is, um, like you said, they're going to be a sovereign self. They're not part of a partnership. They're going to be, um, in some cases, living apart from their husband soon, if not already. Um, so for the practical piece of the divorce, which I know you help your clients with too, um, what are the things they should be thinking about and, and starting to get a feel for um, as they move to the next step in their life? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely things to stop, to continue doing, and also to start doing. So let's start with the stop. First of all, stop self-flagellating, stop, stop flogging yourself, stop worrying about the fact that you're blaming yourself or um, ashamed. Um, give yourself grace. First of all, you're in the most emotional time of your life. You're the most vulnerable, and you're trying to make really sound, critical decisions for you and your family. So that can be extremely difficult and stressful situations. So give yourself grace with that. 
stop blaming yourself, stop blaming even your ex. And there's much work that you can do on that again to kind of process those feelings, to process the grieving and the loss, because it's not just loss of a spouse or loss of family. It is loss of your lifestyle, loss certainly of finances. Um, certainly that will change, um, loss of certain social circles. So that is one thing you need to think about is kind of stopping that. Um, and instead of giving yourself grace is a gift. Um, secondly, as far as keep doing, is certainly keep doing the things that you value and they're important to you and your family. It's easier said than done, but get out there, um, grab your friends, try to be involved in the community, try to make sure you have your tribe around you. Uh, make sure you're involved with your kids and their soccer games and things that have going on in their lives. They're looking to you for cues of resilience. So you need to show up as your best self. That is one thing that's really important. And I do work with my clients on the best, best self. And how is that defined for them? What are their values? How does that look like when they're showing up for their kids? Um, how they talk about their ex or soon to be ex um, in front of their children? And how does that manifest itself during the day? So we talk a lot about being present, showing up, putting one foot in front of the other and continuing on with things that are important to you. Uh, also, as far as starting, there's kind of two things. Uh, one, start, it's forgiveness. Um, again, you've got to forgive yourself for whatever you're blaming yourself for, whether it's I could have been better um, as a communicator, I could have been more grateful and more appreciative. Um, or whatever it is that you've got to start by forgiving yourself first in order to then give forgiveness to the other person. Now, forgiveness does not mean forgetting. So you're not exonerating the person yeah. for what happened at all, but it is the best gift you give yourself. It is not for the other person. So that is a key learning for my clients is forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Make sure you work on that because otherwise that toxicity builds up and you will not be able to to move forward. You'll be stuck still in your divorce story. Um, there's a, a saying you probably heard from Nelson Mandela, who says that if you, you know, hold on to those grudges and you have resentment, you don't forgive. It's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. It's not going to happen. You yourself are internalizing that toxicity. And as we discussed earlier, that has huge ramifications on your physical well-being and your mental and your emotional well-being. So start doing that, start practicing that, and then also start doing things that you love that bring you joy in your life. That is extremely important. Perhaps you put things in the back burner for quite a while. Uh, if that's the case, then you need to go ahead and bring those things back out again, whether it's art or nature, um, doing things such as going to museums or reading some books and spending some self-care time is absolutely critical to feeling your best, being your best, again, especially if you have children. That all sounds like great advice, and I think I might steal the Nelson Mandela quote um, and uh, apply it in uh, what, what we do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of, one of the things I, I really want to hear your, your take on is, um, you know, at, at least from, from my point of view of the divorce process, if somebody's going to um, go through it, I, ideally, it gives them a, a better life, one that they can be excited about and, um, you know, happy about and wake up every day and, and just be excited about what's, what's next, because it is possible to, to live life like that, um, at least, you know, a majority of the time. And, you know, for the, the clients of yours who, you know, you, you feel like are, are having a hard time, um, 
being able to get excited or maybe for those in really hard relationships, visualize one day having the ability to, to feel like that. Um, you know, do you have any uh, particular tips for them? Yes. One of the most fun things I do with my clients, we make storyboards or vision boards. So you may have seen this before, like an ad campaign, marketing teams. We do the same kind of thing with them to visualize and depict exactly where they see themselves in the future. What is their dangling carrot right there? So we come up with pictures and do a collage of pictures, photos, images, maybe mottos, verses, um, even fabric swatches and colors. We do things to really help them understand visually what it is they're working for, for their goal, and always keeping that really top of mind and in the forefront of their mind. So that is important to always think about what they're craving. And I ask them, what are they craving? What are they missing in their life? And we make sure that is absolutely part of that story. And then having that kind of story helps you build your action plan to reach that. And that goes back to that self-awareness piece we talked about, because then we talk about, okay, what are the bridges to help you get there? What are the potential stumbling blocks, roadblocks, and barriers that will keep you from getting there? So it really kind of launches a big, good overall discussion where you take a deep dive into their goals, what they want, and if they keep that top of mind with their visual storyboard, that really seems to help them get excited and motivated um, and to do that post-divorce recovery and to be successful. Because the one thing that I see that's a commonality across everyone that's successful to move forward in their divorce and to move forward with their transition to their new life and create their best chapter, the one thing happens actually be that women who decide or men decide that unique is, let me try again, that divorce is a unique opportunity to totally reboot and reinvent yourself. So by having that opportunity to think about it differently, you wouldn't wish a divorce on anyone, certainly. But sometimes those things have to fall apart and work something better to fall together. And that is exactly how what we do is we rebuild, we put those pieces of the puzzle back together according to their storyboard and those that can reboot and reinvent and realize it's a unique do-over opportunity that you don't get much in life, especially maybe if you're in your 40s or 50s or 60s. So people who see that, and can capitalize on that, can launch into a better life. That is, I think, a great explanation. And, um, you know, I, I hope more people as they're going through the divorce can take the time, whether it's, it's through you or at least some somehow um, to do that stuff so they can turn, um, you know, really do the groundwork to get to a more positive, happy place. That's the whole um, point of this. And um, one thing I wanted to, to ask you, because at least for me, I've heard of divorce coaches, um, you know, that being out there, I've spoken to one or two in um, my time doing this, but um, at least down in the uh, South Florida area, um, I think there's a lot of people that aren't exactly uh, clear on, you know, what does a divorce coach do? Uh, is it is it different um, than a lawyer? How, how does it uh, different or complement what a, their therapist might do? And maybe just Talk a little bit about uh, that um, uh, for a few minutes, help demystify uh, what it is you do, maybe talk about how, how you, um, you know, practically help your clients. Sure. Yeah. Being a divorce coach really is, I'm their thinking partner. I am someone who's not going to advise them. I'm their coach. I'm the thinking partner. I'm someone where they stay in the driver's seat the whole time. I'm just there to help illuminate those paths, explore the different paths with them all the different kind of routes they can take and see which decision may make more sense for them. But I walk through that with them. 
they're the decision makers. So I'm not an advisor. I'm not going to counsel them. I stay in my lane. I'm certainly not a lawyer. I'm certainly not a licensed therapist dealing with addictions or um, diagnoses or things. So I stay in my lane where it's coaching. Very different. I also do resources and referrals to experts. There are many times we need those CDFAs, which are the Certified Divorce Financial Analysts. Or we need the CDLPs, which are the Certified Divorce Lending Professionals, to help you pre-plan things about should I keep the house? Should I ask for the house? Um, you know, would I even qualify to refinance on my own? Um, there's so many things to think about from a financial standpoint that I will go out and refer them out to CDFA, CDLPs. There's even realtors now that do, are do, uh, specializing in divorce and divorce experts. So it's very interesting. There's things like that that absolutely you need as part of your team. But also I've been asked for other kinds of people, right? Like health and wellness coaches and trainers and yoga instructors or mediators, of course, uh, in your industry. So there are plenty of people that are great experts to have on their team. And it's important for each person going through this divorce to understand that everybody does have a specific role to play and there's no need to struggle alone and try to figure this out by yourself. There's too many great resources here, whether it be South Florida or coast to coast, that we can reach and have you meet with to get through this. So that is another thing that I do is the expert referrals. Um, I also do things such as, again, tamping down the emotions, whether it be contemplating the divorce or high conflict divorce, things that perhaps are at the mediation table or hopefully not, but maybe going towards trial. So I try to help with decreasing and de-escalating the conflict and making sure that we have logic and reasoning prevail as much as possible. So when people come to you as an attorney, they have, or you have a more credible client and they have a better understanding of what they're asking you for and a better interaction with you. They're prepared for your meetings, for your all kinds of meetings, trial, mediation, anything in between, but for a collaborative divorce, working with their soon-to-be ex-husband, perhaps. Uh, we do a lot of scripting, role plays, exercises on communication. I will help script out conversations to have with the kids or to have with the spouse. We'll do things reverse role play where they play the spouse and I'll play the individual client. So we actually do things that are mental exercises to help them get where they need to be. So by the time they're having that conversation or laying those boundaries for relationships, that they feel they're getting their point across without being shut down, especially if they're in a toxic relationship where they're used to shutting down to keep the peace and they're used to having someone dominate over them. So those are the kind of things that we can do as a coach um, to kind of propel someone forward through their divorce, get them as quickly and efficiently as possible to the other side. Right. And for the people out there that are listening to this and they're like, ah, I like what uh, this, this Lane is uh, saying, sounds like somebody that could really help me. Um, maybe just speak for a minute about what's, what's the ideal time for them to be getting in touch with you if they're contemplating a divorce, like is it before it starts? Is it when they hire the attorney? Are you more of helping people afterwards? I mean, I know the answer to those questions, but you can just help people under, understand that. I, I think it would be helpful. Sure. Yeah. I have clients that are in all stages of the process along the entire continuum. So if you're contemplating divorce, absolutely. I think it's a great thing to have a first phone call be to a coach because it is important to look at all of your resources, all the experts you can utilize to think through things and not just have a reaction or an knee reaction, but have an intentional planned response. 
whether that's responding to your ex who said, we think we should look at this, whether it's your own self who's picking up on some red flags or pink flags we need to talk about, but really getting in touch with your feelings, your emotions, um, your goals, what um, are your needs that are being met and not being met and so forth. So contemplation absolutely is a great time to build me in the process on the get-go, as well as obviously right in the middle of the process, when, someone pe when some people come to me, they'll say, I've got a high amount of anxiety, I'm completely stressed out, I'm overwhelmed, exhausted, my self-confidence is way down, um, my, my soon-to-be ex is absolutely just really making it very difficult for me in my life with my kids, and um, I need some extra help. Or the attorney will call me and say, I need some extra help with this client. She needs more than what I can give her right now as far as the coaching and so forth. And it's important to have those emotions in the backseat where they belong. So I'll spend time with people during the process of actually the negotiation. There's a lot of great exercise and role plays and introspective work that we can do. Again, to try to help keep it out of the courts, right? I mean, it's a lose-lose for everyone when someone goes to trial. So my job is to try to de-escalate that conflict because Really, it's important and for people to understand that it's it's too costly not to have a coach. So by having it where you can avoid court costs and avoid the fact that someone else is determining for you your outcome, um, that's something that you don't want to do. You don't want to give away your power. So you don't want to have a judge determine for you and your family critical decisions when you yourself have to abide by a court order, for instance, instead of having it go backwards and play backwards the tape and you could have at certain points along the process um, partner together with your attorney or mediator or whoever to de-escalate things with your spouse and to not end up spending the kids 529 plan money on more court costs fighting over the furniture for instance so by by doing that I kind of let my um, my clients have two different stories I like to tell them one, you probably heard about the orange, right? A typical 50-50 arrangement. You're splitting an orange. You get half the orange, I get the half of the orange. We split it in half. Well, but I really wanted just the peeling and you just wanted the juice. So we both lost an opportunity. It's a missed opportunity to get exactly what we both wanted, but we did just the basic 50-50 because we didn't really have our power. We didn't have input. We didn't work appropriately with our attorney to explain our needs, explain our wants, and to get in touch with those before the process. Because an attorney can also only do what you're giving them as far as the information and your, and your needs. So that is one thing. But I also use a metaphor of a restaurant. So I tell my clients, okay, let's say you want to go to an Italian restaurant and you really want chicken parm tonight, but someone else has chosen the restaurant. So you look at the menu. Don't really see much on there that you're interested in. There's not a whole lot of options, but you could probably live with like a basic grilled chicken sandwich. It will work. I'm not excited about it, but it works for me. The main thing is, you know, I don't want mushrooms. I don't want mayonnaise. Just as long as that doesn't, you know, present itself on the plate, I'm good. Well, unfortunately, then someone else is making your decisions. You're going to trial. The court's deciding what you're doing. The judge has stamped it. Server comes out and guess what's on your plate? You got a big burger slathered with mushrooms and mayonnaise. And you look at it and you're like, what? Seriously? I can't deal with this. I can't eat this. This is impossible. So you've given up your power of choice. Even if it's the least of the bad options, you could have had choice. So people need to understand as clients, they've got to work 
in collaboration with their attorneys or their CDFAs and their CDLPs and the divorce coaches to really make sure you are not in that situation. Don't let that happen to you. That I think is very wise advice. Um, and uh, a couple of great metaphors uh, that also, um, I haven't heard about the orange in the restaurants. I, I might uh, have to uh, start to start that in our, our firm here. So Lane, for the people that are listening to this and they're like, hey, I think this Lane um, could really help me. Um, maybe just uh, tell everybody how to get in touch. Um, I mean, if, you know, especially if they're not in beautiful uh, South Florida, um, how does it work? That way uh, they know how to to find you and um, hopefully work with you so you can help them um, through um, their divorce. Sure. Yes, absolutely. I do visit with clients, obviously, here in person in South Florida, but the beauty of Zoom is that I'm able to reach people coast to coast. So I've got clients in large cities or small towns across America, um, and I work with them, obviously, the same way to be, make sure that I'm actually giving them a safe environment to help promote their health and their well-being. Um, really on a Zoom call, it's easier to do that with accessibility, privacy, and flexibility. So I'm able to meet them wherever and whenever they need to. So that includes people who might need to do that on a lunch break and behind a closed door at their work environment, and they call me in and that's when we have their meeting, or when the kids are tucked in bed at night, there's a stay-at-home mother perhaps that you know enjoys me at evening time, or it might be a dad who needs me after a soccer game on the weekend and we'll do a Zoom call then. So I really think it's important to meet moms and dads during their crazy schedule they have. I've been there, I've done that. Um, so I understand that it's, it makes sense to meet them when they need it, right? When they need it most. And sometimes it's one of those more urgent calls and that's okay, we can, we can do that too. So Zoom enables us to do that and prepare and protect people throughout the whole process. Again, my sweet spot really is that part to really help them with that post-divorce recovery and transition to new life. And that should not have to wait. That should not have to wait for us to make an appointment in a few weeks. So instead I wanna make that immediately when they're ready and as soon as they decide they're ready to hire a coach, it makes sense to start their process um, to, to work through their plan and to do those storyboards and visualize their life. And I tell them, you've got to let go of that life that you had planned for you and your family. Instead, you're planning your new life that you want. So together we absolutely can plan that and create that beautiful new future for you. People can reach me at my now and then practice, which is nowandthencoaching.com. They can also book an appointment directly uh, at nowandthencoaching.com slash book appointment, or even email me as you'll see on the website too, which is lane at nowandthencoaching.com. Well, perfect, well, Lane, and we'll get um, all that information up. We'll also have it um, linked in the show notes. And uh, thank you for your time today. I, I think this is, uh, it's been, been fun to do and you've got a lot of great advice. Thank you. I appreciate you having me.